Before we get going this week, I thought I'd just remind you that I'm a certified business strategist who's been in property for over 25 years. I know my clients shortcut their success by being laser focused through strategy and mentoring, as no one business model fits us all because funding, geography, skill set, it all plays a part in deciding what works for you. Getting it wrong can definitely damage your wealth. If you're serious about property, then your first step is a call with me. Nothing more difficult than following the link in the show notes to book it. This is the Property Solopreneur podcast and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello, welcome to this week's episode. And we're talking about cookie cutters or something new. And I think it's a phrase we all know, but we probably don't think much about it. And what I think we should do is that it isn't something you think about when you first come into property because you come in knowing you want to do sourcing or you want to do small renovations or you want to build a portfolio, something like that. It's when you've got going for a little while and then you suddenly may think, is that it? Is there any more to property? Or you may be just going, this is fantastic. I'm, I'm not deviating from this. I'm making shed loads of money and this is exactly what I want to do. And one of the reasons is I think we fall into two different types of property people. There are the full-time property people who just throw themselves in headfirst. In fact, they do more than 24 hours a day in property. They live and breathe it. It becomes an obsession and they're going to try everything. And they usually are very organized and can do it really, really well. And then there's the other type who are really in property for wealth acquisition. They see property as a vehicle for giving them the wealth they want in order to live their lives. And it doesn't matter whether you're full-time or or part-time in that. And in fact, it doesn't matter which you are, but it does help if you know, because you can then tailor your thoughts and assumptions about whether to keep going in one field or not. So cookie cutter, what is it really? Well, I think there are five areas of cookie cuttering and some of us never get out of them because they are very comfortable and they do work. And the first is the niche, the really uber niche people. You've all met them. You know, they only ever buy one bedroom flats to turn into two bedrooms. And they do it time and time and time and time again. And they're really good at it. If they can look at a statement from the estate agent and know instantly the square by the square footage how much profit they're going to make because they've got an amazing build team who can go in there on Monday and knock it out with not much problem. And they like that. that you know, to them, this is what you do in property and why would you do anything else? And then the slightly bigger niche people are, most of us, I should think, you know, we want to add value through small renovations. We know, move the bathroom, divide bedrooms, you know, particularly those ones where to get to the bathroom upstairs, you've got to go through three bedrooms. It's a bit of a funny. Opening up doorways downstairs in the back reception room where there's a window. 40 years ago, there was a perfectly good back door and that was okay. 
Nowadays, of course, open space is really important for people and they want to have French windows, even going out of the tiniest little back room in a terrace. I have to confess, it does make an awful difference to you how you can use that house and it's much nicer to live in. So I'm with them on that. And then, of course, there's the generalist. And now these are the people who've got lots of skills across the way. So their main thing is, does it have margin? Margin is the key word for them. And when they're talking to the estate agents, if they've asked, you know, has it got a bit of margin in it? And the agent comes back, yes, they're almost past knowing anything else. It's got margin. I know I can do it. So they will constantly have a stream of slightly different projects to approach and to do, which keeps them really interested and really engaged. Then you have the specialists, such as the HMO specialists. You know, they know everything there is to know about the HMO market. It is a big, a biggie all on its own because it's not cheap to make an, an HMO. And the really good ones, that is, create a product that you just can't help wanting to live in. So they get it right. So they are very much a specialist. And then the last type are the divider. Now, these again, in fact, funny enough, ha ha, divide into two types. There is the paper split. These are people who are doing title splits on buildings. They've bought a building. We've all done it. Well, I hope you have because it is really, really profitable. You buy a building and you realise that the reason why you've bought it is because it's operating as two separate dwellings, although it could only be sold to you as one. So, for an example, in Stoke, I found a building that was selling at 80,000 and it had two flats in it. I mean, everything was working, it was functioning, but the building itself was only worth 80K. But when the paper uh, split was done, because it had actually, they had their own electricity supply and water supplies and everything else, this was purely a paper exercise. It was worth 140. Well, that's quite a big difference when you've done nothing except get paperwork done. So there are those who do that. And then the people I really admire in the dividing world are those who can walk into a building, look around and go, this would make a cracking flat upstairs and a good one downstairs. Or even on some of the side terraces, I can get three flats out of this. Absolutely fantastic. So they are really good at making one unit become two or three and getting the uplift through that. And they can, you know, to be quite honest, if, if that is your cookie cutter, you will be making extremely good money out of that. Now, there are some people who will go, oh, I don't have a cookie. I don't, I'm not in a niche. I don't do cookie cutter at all. You know, that's very boring. But actually, you may well find once you start talking to them, they do. It's just that they've never drilled down on their figures of what they're actually doing and haven't noticed that what they're doing is just a variation on one theme. And then, of course, there are the drifters who now, I have to confess, these are some of my favourite people because they they just get such enjoyment out of everything they do and, and telling you. So they you, you'll, you'll spot them because they say things like, um, well, it just happened. The project morphed from doing a little bit of planning gain and suddenly there I was doing a full build out of the shard. They make it sound as if they woke up one morning and the whole thing had changed. No, they were fully aware of what they were doing all along. But to them, it is something that just happens, that their brain can do it and they love the fact that they don't really know where they're going, but because they've got amazing skills, they can always make it work. Don't try and follow their example if you don't have a really good build team and a really good understanding of, of um, cash flow, etc. There are people who just have very, very short, small boredom thresholds and they've got to do something new all the time. 
do. You know, you, trust me, we're all going to fit in somewhere here, aren't we? And there is no right or wrong. It's what does fits you and what will make you money? Because after all, that is why we're here. Let's not pretend. So one of the reasons why we now talk about it is that the outside property world uh, can get very peacocky in one-upmanship. I don't know if it's just me, but I've overheard some really quite extraordinary conversations at networking meetings where, you know, there's been a sort of, oh, you've only got a portfolio of X at uh, Y loan to value. And they never have, they never really tell you straight what they've got unless you ask them. But somehow you can understand from the way they've spoken to you that you may not have done as well as them. Does it matter? No, I don't think it does. Because again, what is it? It's not an exam. You've got your business plan and you're working to that. And if you hit your targets, you are definitely doing 100%. And I think part of it is some of the phrases that we use as shorthand in property can be a bit sort of brutal. Vanilla lets is one of them. Well, Actually, I love my vanilla single lets. They are the back rock of most of my portfolios and the portfolios of my friends. You know, once you've done them up, somebody moves in and they go paying themselves down. They produce income every single month. They don't turn over very often. What's not to like just because they're a tiny bit boring? They're not boring whilst you're actually doing them up. And they're not bo- boring every sort of five to seven years when you've got to do a little bit of juicing up and making them fresh and lovely again. But they're not seen as, you know, really sexy and exciting and cutting edge. Well, does it matter? I don't think so. And the wider community sometimes can give people the impression that, you know, if you've been doing this, little whatever it is you're doing for a little while, hmm, shouldn't you be moving up to greater things, doing something a little different? Well, why? You know, the only moving up and the only difference I want to see is on my bottom line. And again, I'm not going to tell you what my bottom line is. But I know, and I'm working to make sure it goes up and I hit my targets. Well, great, I'll do what I want to do. Well, why are we all here? Because we forget sometimes that we're all property solopreneurs and we only have so much time in one day and we can only generate so much income from that time. So let's not kid ourselves that we can pack everything in if we're, a, you know, we are a one man band or we just have a couple of outsourced people. You know, let the people who've got big in-house teams do some of these really big stuff. Go and watch and learn and love it, but don't try and emulate it yourself. Because our aim is to make profit and wealth through property, not through getting, you know, silver stars on some imaginary chart for having done, you know, this and that, oh, and then you built something or the other, you know, ticking off all those different things you can do in property. No, that's not what you're here for at all. If you follow that shiny penny without great thought, you'll deviate from your business plan, that business plan that you absolutely poured blood over to make sure it was right for next year. And your long-term plan to bring you financial freedom may be at risk. And even worse, you could find that you spend years having great fun diversifying into all sorts of things, but you haven't actually made solid chunks of profit that you could have done if you just stayed doing what you've always done. So yes, you could do it, but don't do it if it's something that someone else has suggested and you don't know much about it. And if they perhaps are going to make a lot of money out of you doing it, that is a known problem. And don't do it. It's got a risk attached to it that's not in your risk profile. And when you've started up your business, I hope you do a risk profile. I know I'm not a particularly risk person. I know I have my boundaries as to where I want to be. So everything's got to fit in that. That's fine. And no, it's not all right to do something just so that you feel that you fit in as part of the club that you happen to be in. Move your club if that's the problem. 
And don't do it if you cannot completely see where you're going to go at the end of it when you've finished it, because it, you've got to have an exit strategy. So therefore, you've got to understand what, what you're doing. And it is another funny thing that in property, we do tend to encourage people to run before we can walk. Wouldn't do that in any other sphere of life. So park your ego if you've got one and it's causing you a problem, and then just start doing the things that make you money. Now, why do I think like this? Well, as you've probably guessed it, I've had my moments of fluttering like a butterfly through the the different types of, of development and property work. And so my views are very much based on my experience. And for example, there was the famous occasion for me when I found myself halfway through a build of small flats and I took on the build from scratch of four semi-detached houses, whilst at the same time doing two refurbs on two up, two downs at opposite sides of the city in Stoke-on-Trent that were completely back to brick. All at the same time, as the credit crunch happened and as my husband was deployed and so was my building team because they were all TA. So I suddenly had the square root of Diddley helping me to do all these things and I had to get them all done myself. And Juno, it was at that point that I realised that I hadn't asked all the questions that I should have done. Now, the two renovations could do them blindfold. So they were sorted out very quickly by me and did as they should have done. Kept one, flipped the other. But the new builds, they created all sorts of problems I had not anticipated. And to a certain degree, that was all actually my fault. I'll put my hand up to that now. And that's because I didn't ask enough questions. I was working with someone who I'd worked with a lot over several years, made a lot of money with them. We are, you know, seven figure money. But the problem was that because I'd worked with so often, I'd lulled myself into a false sense of security that they would tell me what I didn't know. You know, Rumsfeld's unknown unknowns. And it's the unknowns that sink you. So I hadn't asked all the questions. And to a certain degree, as we went along, things just kept coming out of the woodwork. And I'd go, oh, my goodness me, I'm not expected to do that, am I, as well? I mean, I hadn't really understood just how expensive it is to put utilities in because in you know that wasn't part of the quote, for instance. So when I saw the presentation on here is the plot, this is what we could buy it for, this is the potential profit, all that made total sense. But it was this payments round the fringes that weren't part of his remit that I didn't pick up and realise were mine because it wasn't his job to get the quotes in from British Gas and all that kind of stuff because I hadn't asked him. That was part of me. And nor nor had I realised, and I do now, that things don't always go according to plan. Funny that, isn't it? And, you know, I had assumed that these things were written in stone. So you buy, at that point, you could buy the land for a third of its end value, spent a third on, you know, doing the, the builds and everything else. And the third was profit. How nice. That was lovely. I could cope with that. But of course, that's not what happened because the credit crunch happened in the middle. With the credit crunch actually came a whole set of new rules and norms. So when we had started off the build, Things like the kitchens, the tiling, the carpeting, they were off the actual quotations from the builder because they were going to be separate because we were going to sell off plan, which was very, very big in those days. Everything would be sold off plan and then there'd be a budget agreed between us and the buyer and we'd do it there and then. And of course, there would be cash flow at that point from other things happening. Well, that's not what I say as it happened. And literally overnight, all the sales and progression of sales going through off plan stopped dead because you could no longer guarantee the banks would go through with the mortgages and everything else. 
So suddenly we didn't have an option other than to sell out at a loss or just to go push through all the pain barriers, find the money from wherever and get those flats and those houses finished, even if it meant painting the wretched things myself, which I did. However, it is amazing what you can do when you've got a back against the wall. And, you know, and I did find some investors and I did get them finished. But I possibly wouldn't have taken on all that at once had I known there would have been so many movable parts. And so that's what I mean. Yes, individually, those were all fantastic, shiny things and different things to do. But I shouldn't have all sort of piled them up one on top of the other. And that's why I always, nowadays, when I'm doing mentoring groups, go, yeah, you can do anything you like in property. You know, it's your business. But you've got to think the whole thing through first. And how does it affect you? As I say, it was enormous fun, retrospectively. It wasn't great for my health, but we have come through it. And long term, very, very profitable. But I wish I'd known it was going to be that profitable when I was standing on, you know, the windy floors when there were no windows at some point on that build, thinking, when will this all finish? When will I be able to get through the other side and just be able to enjoy what I'm doing? So. The biggest learn I got from that was that actually some of these, what appears to be much more profitable things than the boring cookie cutters, actually aren't. And that's because when I finished doing all these uh, new builds, I worked out how many hours I had spent doing them and then worked out my hourly rate. And it was a lot less than doing my usual cookie cutter really quickly in and quickly out of my two up, two downs. So my view on everything is make sure that if you are going to deviate from what you know is your core activity, be whatever it is, you know, if you're going to suddenly stop sourcing, you are going to have to find a new way of getting that money in. Because it could be, you know, 20, 30, 40,000, whatever a month. Well, you've got to find that somewhere. So whatever it is you're going to now do, you've got to make sure it is not going to affect your bedrock portfolio and your wealth creator. Because why do anything twice? I don't see the point. I don't buy into that thought that, well, you're not really an entrepreneur until you failed a couple of times. Well, in property, you have the ability not to do that because you've got the ability to set something up properly from day one and adjust it and sell something if you need to, to make sure that you can pay for everything, which then just goes on ticking over in the background, doing what it should do, what you set up, whilst you have your flight of fancy and decide to go and do a grand design. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as you make sure that what you've done before is properly protected. And so one of the things that I think you should always do is ask yourself, do I need to go and do a course quickly to before I make a decision? Just Google it. There are so many courses out there that you can go and do, learning how to do new build or commercial to residential or any of those sorts of things. You can really go and find out whether or not you even like the idea when you get up close to it before you start committing yourself to working with someone or buying something. The best course I ever did was a course on uh, multi-generational single let tenancies. Sounded absolutely fabulous, really good uplift on the, on the rent. And I thought, yes, this is going to be great. By the end of the day, I knew I was in completely the wrong place, never going to do this. It just was not me. I didn't want to commit that kind of time to the lettings department. Well, I'm so glad I went on that course because I spent, you know, as I say, one day 
it's as opposed to setting the whole thing up and then finding out that it really wasn't my sort of thing. So sometimes spending a bit on doing a course can be absolutely the right thing. And I think Admiral Jellicoe's decree on the eve of Jutland is always worth having in the back of your mind. And that's his, he said, if the game is what looks worth the candle, then risks can be taken. And if not, one's duty is to be cautious. Well, I think that's those are very wise words because the person you're going to hurt is you and your business and you don't want that. So keep those, those were really quite good words bubbling along in the background. But if you are still in doubt, ask yourself this one simple question. Ask it as many times as you like when you're looking at something. And that is, is this part of my long-term plan? And does it fit in with my short-term strategy as defined by this year's business plan? You know, that was the plan you spent all that time sorting out, which you should be delivering on, not throwing away. And if you ask yourself that question and give yourself the chance to answer it properly, you'll know in your head and your heart what the answer really is. And those are two really key things that you should be going with, not the idea of somebody else who isn't in your business or who isn't responsible for the risk and the money. Does the shiny new idea or the cookie cutter still fit with your mission statement? Which is it? Which will work? Which will give you the best return for your time and your money? And whichever way you go, because frankly, it's up to us to make the decision, You've got to interrogate each one of those ideas and projects. Question it. Do you know if it's right for you? If it is, then you need to jump in with enthusiasm and do it at full throttle. Because whether it's a cookie cutter or something new, if you do it with your enthusiasm right there and with at full throttle, you will become a wildly successful property solopreneur. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist. If you found my stories inspiring and my content useful, then come find out more about my mentoring and strategy sessions by going to www.racheltroughton.com and book a discovery call with me. The banner link is on every page. Come and create and grow your own property business. That's the shortcut to success.